We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. You know it's Kel Dansby here with Andreas Hale back again for another week. This week we're recording this on a Thursday, you know, probably a day later, but it's well worth the wait. Thank you guys for tuning in. We had a packed week. We knew it was going to be crazy. Uh, Dre warned us last week about the greatness of Black Panther and Wakanda. We all saw that play out over the weekend, so we got to talk about that today. We're going to touch on Conor McGregor saying he's ready to come back to the UFC. We're going to talk about UFC on Austin. Uh or excuse me, UFC Austin, UFC on Fox Orlando, 
boxing with Canelo and Triple G finally getting finalized all the way and throw some WWE in there because you know it's Elimination Chamber week here in Vegas. So pack show today. Dre, what up? Uh, I haven't even talked to you all week. You're a busy man. Yeah, no. Um, it's just been one of those weeks, man. I mean, birthday was last week. I went out of town, came back. I uh, had the Rios and uh, Garcia fight. And then it was, uh, you know, if anybody pay attention, like Billboard, we premiered Elzai. And uh, Crisis Song for my interview. And then I've been writing a bunch of stuff. I did the Black Panther piece the other day on White Critics, which we'll talk about. Um, man, it's just, yeah, it's nonstop. It's, it's, I'm writing stuff as we speak. Like, it just the shit don't stop, man. I'm tired of writing. Ever, ever. And it's a big week. It's, a, you know, something you've lent your voice to for so long. And that's being, you know, a part of the black community, being a vocal part of the black community in so many different outlets, music, movies, combat sports, you know, the gauntlet. And it's a week where kind of all your wor- worlds merge together. We saw it yeah. with Black Panther. Yo, Black Panther's huge, 400 million in a weekend globally. And guys, you've been covering for forever in TDE doing the soundtrack, getting major love. Ali's everywhere right now for what he did for the soundtrack. Kendrick, it's it's amazing. Now that the movie is out, what do you think of the reception for the movie? I mean, I think it's well-deserved. I mean, this is, like I said, when I was at the screen and I was like, yo, I was curious, is it going to live up to the hype? And it did. And then I was, you know, I was thoroughly entertained. I'm going to see it again. Um, I have to, because it's just, it's just, shit is just good, man. And especially, you know, being... For me, being a dude that grew up on movies, like I've been, I've been growing up on movies, music. Like parents didn't raise me; it was all about what I saw on the TV. And to finally see something that looked like me on television as a superhero, as a lead, like Ryan Coogler, he's like, he's like a dude for, that could have been from my hood. Like he's, he's, he's a, he's like a G, and he's <laughs> making movies. It, I mean, it was just so good. Michael B. Jordan was phenomenal in the film. Um, yeah, man. I mean. This is, you know, this was a great moment in African-American history (laughs) in cinema because we don't get these kind of opportunities to see a film and it actually lives up to the hype with us in it as a blockbuster. Like there's a lot of movies like Moonlight or, um, you know, Fruitvale Station, but those don't they they don't sell out theaters like this was insane. Everybody went to see this movie. And I think the breakdown was like 37 percent African-American, 35 percent white. And then it was like Mexican and Asian made up the rest. But to see that kind of makeup and black people going out to see this movie and supporting it and being inspired and being uh, empowered, it's, it's special, man. Yeah, man. Seeing the amount of celebrities and just people with with the impact getting kids out to see the movie. You know, doing yeah. the, the send 200 kids here. Shout out to the Bodega Boys. They did that in New York. My boy uh, C-Dot in kansas city partnered with the boys and girls club he i think took 600 kids to go and see it uh all over the country they had it in cali everywhere just getting kids the next generation so you can influence them let them see black people in prominent roles everyone's a king a queen or you know it, it, it was great to see that aspect of things it's something i haven't seen since coming to america and that was a lighthearted comedy type thing but it was still like yo everyone wanted to be you know king joffy joe yeah, man. I mean, you know, shout out to my uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jasmine Waters, who's uh, who she writes for This Is Us. But, you know, we were in New York 
Um, you know, she worked for like Nicole Bitchy, but she's come up and she got 700 people, 700 kids to the theaters in L.A. Had, uh, I think, Offset from Migo show up um, and Little Yachty showed up to show support. So shout out to her. I mean, I'm almost jealous because I'm like, yo, why didn't I think of this? I mean, I don't I'm know so how caught we didn't think world. of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm so caught up in my world with my daughter that I'm not I, I wasn't thinking like Vegas, you know, Vegas kids need to see this movie. So. You know, hopefully the next time it comes around, because usually I'm on top of things like this, but it's it's just really special to see kids see themselves in a movie for once. And, and for Halloween, who knows how many Black Panthers we're going to see on these streets. We're already seeing kids Black Panthered out. I saw a viral video today of the teacher. Uh, she threw on the Black Panther mask. Everyone's doing the Wakanda handshake coming into yeah, the class. Right. Like, it, it just, it made people feel good about the culture. The movie wasn't Absolutely. about, like, you know, we're, we're on the streets and we're killing each other or you're a drug dealer. Like, us growing up, like, it, it was paid in full. It was New Jack City. Like, you know, everyone was a drug dealer. They're like, your right. idols, the people you looked up to in black cinema, everyone was Nino. Everyone wanted to have the Carter. Like, it, it's different. It's the point. This could be the turning point where you change the narrative of what yeah. black kids aspire to be. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. Because now we have Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time is coming out uh, next month. And I'll, I'll be sure to be at the theater to see that as well. Um, it's a massive budget for that movie. I read that as a kid. So can't wait to see it. And I mean, ultimately, you know, it, it factors into the Marvel Universe. I mean, but it, it used African culture. Uh, the debates about Killmonger is still raging on about whether he was right or not. Even though, like my man David D said in his piece, that he's just Chris Brown with military training. The dude just beats up women. But... um. <laughs> And, I mean, he beats up everybody. I was about to say, he was indiscriminate with those hands. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, when he yoked up the old lady, it was like, all right, chill. <laughs> like, this dude, you know, I mean, but it, it those debates will continue because there are so many ideologies that were presented in this film. Like, you know, Wakanda being the source of vibranium and being hidden from the rest of the world. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into spoiler territory, but it's enough for you to watch it and go home and have a conversation with somebody who looks like you and have a real conversation. It's, it's the first time that actually white people kind of feel left out of the conversation. This isn't really their story to tell. So that and that's cool, man. I, I mean, we've been watching white films for so many years and being like, I can't really relate, but that's a good movie. Now they can do that with us. No, most definitely. And uh, I feel like there was a lot of little parts in there, just the, the smallest things, just the things of, you know, having a handshake between a brother and a sister like that's something we always grew up doing everyone had a handshake growing up yeah man like there's yeah. still some people i see to this day we got handshakes you just gotta got busted out randomly like we yeah, like I, we still yeah. 14 like i don't care yeah me and my crew were like the crew of like a million handshakes we had <laughs> we had we had different handshakes for every different scenario so that was dope i mean shuri was amazing as his sister and it was good man so i guess the question is i mean we know how good the film is but where does it rank for you in the marvel universe i've been thinking about this since i saw it um like you i want to see it again uh i was gonna see it again tonight but movie night tonight is going to be 50 shades for me so ugh. i'm gonna watch it again this weekend don't oh 50 shades listen I, i'm all yeah man no I, thanks i read all the books i gotta see the movie it is what it is so but i did put that on a back burner for a second to watch black panther so I'm going to watch it again on Saturday night, um, or Saturday morning, actually. I'm going to go watch it again. But right now, for me, and, and this was tough, but I think it's sitting at number three for me right now. And it could be number two. All right, so behind which two? It. 
Uh, Civil War is number one. Hands down for me. And then Winter Soldier was really dope, but that's kind of fallen to four for me. I'm going Guardians of the Galaxy 1 at number two because I love the comedy aspect. Um, each moment was hilarious. Rocket is great, all that stuff. And it wasn't like a major, you know, I guess grouping. It wasn't the X-Men. It wasn't Fantastic Four. It was something kind of out of nowhere that if you're a comic book head, you're like, oh, dope, Gal Guardians of the Galaxy. But other people were like, yo, what is this? So I think I still really like that movie and Black Panther's at number three for me. I think it might jump Guardians of the Galaxy, though. It, it seems to have a little bit more plot, obviously. It's an origin story like Guardians of the Galaxy was. But, uh, you know, it, it was more truth behind it. Those those messages that come in, the way it sets up the Marvel Universe going forward. They made it mean something. It, it's going to yeah. mean so much to the next Avengers film. It, it's not just, you know, like to me, Ant-Man is just a standalone. Doctor Strange is pretty much standalone as origin stories. It's like, cool, that was dope, but it is what it is. No, like Wakanda, Black Panther, it means something. It has rep uh, you know, it has repercussions for what's going to come later. We saw the, the screens and the credits and the, those clips afterwards. Those mean something. And, it, man, we, we know that a fight is going to take place in Wakanda. We saw that in the trailer. Of the Avengers movie. They put so much stock into this movie. Into these characters. And the importance of this world. A black world. That is dope. So it'll probably elevate to two. Um, Winter Soldier is is like my one. And it may be my one. Because I need to watch Winter Soldier again. Um, I, I thought Winter Soldier was amazing. Um, Civil War is actually behind Black Panther. Just because of significance. So Black Panther probably sit at either two or one A and one B. I, I need to watch both again. Um. But Guardians is in the, in that mix. And then Thor Ragnarok. Holy shit. I, I finally watched it. I hadn't had a chance to watch Thor Ragnarok. And yo, it's dope. I hated I hated the Thor movies. Like <laughs> Thor the Thor movies were trash. The first Thor movie was I didn't like it at all. Um but Thor Ragnarok was really good. Um Tessa Thompson was amazing in it. I mean, they, it was so lighthearted. I mean, adding the humor just made Thor a more well rounded character. But uh yeah, so I, I think that's the order for me. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming's up there, too, because that, that was really good. Uh, but Marvel's been doing it, man. I, I feel sorry for DC. And there, I know there's some people who love DC out there, but y'all haven't had the setup that Marvel's had over the past no. decade. Not you know movies. Like, even the DC people can't front. Like, not movie-wise, they're not even in the same realm. The only reason they get mentioned is because Christopher Nolan and the work with the Dark Knight series. But I don't even count that. That's not, like, yeah. their universe. Yeah, it's like a standalone. Like the like the Dark Knight series is the best thing that the DC universe has done. But this current realm with Wonder Woman and Superman and, and Batman, which is terrible. Um, well, Superman it terrible. is horrible this too. I don't I don't like the Superman movies at all. Yeah, and like Suicide Squad wasn't good, and Justice League was like, eh, like they, these weren't really good films. And but Marvel, pfft, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to think. Thor might be my least favorite Marvel movie. Uh, Doctor Strange is down there too. I didn't really care for Doctor Strange too much, but you know, I thought it was I mean, okay. Dude. Yeah, but it wasn't great. Um, yeah, yeah. The Thor movies, the early Thor movies, are probably like the worst ones. I think the last Iron Man was trash. Yeah, the last Iron Man was not good. Captain America's had the best two movies so far with Civil War, Winter Soldier, and the first one was solid. Um, I didn't like but, the first one really at all. Like, it kind of bored me. Yeah. But even with that, I can't complain. Like, it, it rounded out well. 
So, I mean, that, that kind of speaks to just how good Black Panther really is because it's an origin movie and, like, Iron Man 1, like, all the origin movies have been relatively, like, eh, right? But this one, like, stand, sticks out like a sore thumb. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, dispels that notion because that was phenomenal. But, man, it's a good week for uh, black cinema and uh, comic books and nerds who grew up on comic <laughs> books like myself, black nerds. So, that was, it was great. And there's plenty of us to go around. That, that's another thing we saw. People dressing up and cosplay and all this stuff. Stuff we don't really get to do too often. We got like four cosplay characters. We got like yeah. Storm. Uh, you could be Blade. Maybe Spawn. There's only so much shit we could be. Like Now we have a whole gamut of characters and people turned out for it. Full costumes. Uh, any type of African garb with the face paint and the dots and everything is incredible. And yeah. shout out to uh, Real Life Kaz <clears throat> on Twitter, our boy Kaz. He has to be uh, man-ape for Halloween. <laughs> he just has to do it. Yeah, it seems likely. Yeah, seems like it'll so, work. So that's, that's going to happen. Uh, the first thing I said to my fiance when we were in the theater, I was like, yo, did Kaz land this role? And she started dying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it look identical. So um, shout out to him. Before we move on to the next topic, I want to hear your perspective because you touched on you watched this movie at a showing first and you wrote about the reactions of the other white critics in the theater. And are they judging it on a curve? Are they boosting the movie because they don't want to be looked upon differently? Can they not judge it objectively because they are white? Yeah, I mean, it's a conversation that I overheard. Like, I eavesdropped. It and, and in my piece for the root, it's exactly how it played out. You know, the guy said he was tired of the hype. The other guy said, I can't write anything bad about it because there's so many quote unquote movements going on. So it makes you wonder how many white critics are out there. And I'm sure not all of them. I'm not going to cast a wide net and say all white critics are doing this. But there has to be a decent amount of them who feel the same way, who don't want that backlash. Because um, like Ed Power from the Irish Independent was the one who broke the Rotten Tomatoes uh, 100% positive score. And they crushed him on social media. So I'm sure that there's got to be a lot of... And, and, and the thing is, they crushed him not because he gave the, uh, the film a subpar score, but his rationale was he didn't beat up enough bad guys. That's not really what Black Panther was about. It wasn't about beating up enough black uh, bad guys. So that was frustrating, but it makes you wonder, man. It's like, this is the first time... Like, Rotten Tomato, if you look, the vast majority of the critics in that aggregate site are white. And they're, you know, there's some older, there's young, but they're white. There's only like a few black people who are uh, movie critics who are involved in that aggregation. So um, the fact that it's done so well is a testament to how good the movie is. But it just makes you wonder, with everything going on in this country, with Trump as president, you know, with racism, with the police shootings, how many people are like, yeah, you know, it wasn't that good, but I'm not going to be that guy. And I think there's just a lot of people, a lot of white critics, not a lot. I think there's, there is a segment of white America who are film critics who didn't relate to the movie and thought it wasn't that good, but they're not going to be the ones to say it. And that sucks. I like people to be honest with their reviews. But then again, this is what we've been subjected to our entire life. You know, we see movies that just don't relate to us. Like, I like Manchester by the Sea, but there's nothing in that movie that relates to me. But I, I know how I can appreciate those movies. White people have never been in that position where they're like outsiders to the culture. So, you know, well, to be fair, they're always outsiders to the culture. They just happen to buy the culture. 
Well, outsiders of the culture in, in the media aspect. Like, the Oscars, they don't have to worry about a bunch of black movies being nominated for Best Picture. And they don't have to, you know, necessarily, there is very rare that you see a bunch, like, Moonlight won, yes. But you go back in time, like, Do the Right Thing, Lost the Drive, and Miss Daisy, which is insane to me. You know, the years that you look back and you see what films lost to what and what actors Denzel Washington, how long it took him to win, but the types of movies that Denzel was in. It wasn't until Training Day or Halle Berry winning from Monsters Ball. That was like a big what the fuck moment because I thought she was trash in that film. But <laughs> but you see what uh, this is through white America's lens. And white America has never had a lens where the vast majority of the movie goes to see a certain movie and support, support it is black America. And and this is this is our movie. And it was really it was a blockbuster that everybody was to go see. Like even Men's Society, New Jack City, uh, Boys in the Hood, like all those movies, they didn't open with like huge openings. They didn't have great opening box office opening weekends. Nothing was like Black, Black Panther. That was huge, and everybody saw it. There's no, there's no white critic that could be like, nah, I'm not going to see that movie. Like you had to see it. You had to see it. Yeah, the buzz is so big on it that we we forced the issue. We forced the narrative. And uh, shout out to Marvel. Marvel yeah. movies are doing what the comics books did. Which is, the hell with the status quo, we're pushing our agenda. And you guys have to fall in line. So that's great, that's refreshing. All the bullshit we see in Hollywood now, man, and and we see the Me Too movement, and we know how somewhat corrupt and the good old boys club still reigns supreme. It's nice to see that, you know what, there are some changes. Like, the hell with it, we're going to put two white people in a movie. And still sell. Like, it's dope. Um, so congrats to everyone who worked on the project. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, what the hell are you waiting for? Go out and see it. If you've seen it once, see it again. It's something to support. Let's keep the movement moving. Let's get the sequel going. Let's make sure that we have more movies like this going forward. More black directors, you know, more black leads, great characters through and through. You know, everyone pushing the agenda forward and getting our voices heard. Um now, the positivity is out of the way, Dre. We're, we're out of here with that. It's time for the ratchetness. <clears throat> I know you got your, your head in the sand nowadays. Um, you know, just trying to keep, keep that work going. Trying to keep the brain moving. This is something you probably didn't have to write about. But it was everywhere. Black China sex tape. Oh, God. Did you take two seconds to, you know, just, just real quick? Just yeah, I did. Take, take I a did. glance? Yeah, I took a glance. And that was, yo, I thought Kim Kardashian's <laughs> was bad. Yo, what was this? What what the? This oh. is the qu- equivalent of Eva Marie wrestling. That's how bad the Black China sex tape was. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, and I, you know what? And I, I guess I'm, I have to say I'm disappointed. Because, like, yo, like, you would think, like, you would think, right, these women who have fucked her way into riches, right? Look at, I mean, I'm not going to say Kim Kardashian. She was born into it. But you look at the black China. You would think she's putting in work. Something. She's not. There's a lot of, there's a lot of women who have, are sexually promiscuous. I'm not going to call them hoes. But they put in work. <laughs> and they don't get near the benefits that black China gets. No. But now we've got to see what black China does. And I'm like, yo, Rob, like, what were you doing? Like, yeah, what? Rob lost his mind over this. Like, word? Over like, this. Yeah, but it's it's man. I mean, this is a society that we live in where, you know, Black China is a big deal. Like, yo, this was whack. 
And, and, and it doesn't really mean anything. Once upon a time, sex tapes were like taboo. Like a sex tape came out, I was like, ooh, bad for you. But now it's like, oh, she got a sex tape? Cool. Yeah. And then you just move on. Now you just got to grade them out. Like, and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, like, it's the next one. Where does this rank? Like, uh, and hers ranks very far, very far from, I mean, damn. It uh, could arguably be the worst sex tape release. <laughs> she was just wasn't enthusiastic. It was, it was bad all the way around. Amber Rose needs to come and save us and just leak something real quick. I feel like Amber is the opposite of Black China. She's bizarro world Black China. I mean, I, I mean, you would hope so, but I have I'm no tired. doubt in Amber. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of her too. Like I'm tired of a lot, like yo, I'm tired of a lot of people, not just women, who are making money. Um, and it, it makes you wonder what you're doing wrong with your life when they're you know rich and. I mean, they're not even rich, but they, they're they making money for I the life like of the which rich, isn't right? doing much. Is she she's, not rich? I mean, she, I don't know how we qualify rich. It's, it's always interesting in this industry, you know, what making money really looks like versus what it appears to be on Instagram and shit. Um, but, yo, it's, it's exhausting. It's like Amber Rose, you were a stripper, like, and now you're like an enterprise. Kim Kardashian, I mean, yeah, you were born into money, but you're making money now because you don't really do shit. You get fake implants. And then, then y'all out here body shaming people. At least Amber Rose got a breast reduction. Like, Kim Kardashian just looks ridiculous these days. Black China, it's like, yo, there's so much work. I feel like if you're a real woman, shout out to you. Because it's, it's got to be hard to hang on, yo. Yeah, <laughs> With all this competition. God damn. I don't think Black China's rich. She, her net worth is $4 million. I mean, that's her net worth. Yeah, I mean, whatever Rob is paying her for that baby, it probably makes her rich. Yeah, I don't think that counts towards net worth. That's not like an asset. Nah, but again, but like a why is she who has a net worth of four million dollars? I mean, you could. Yeah, be and then worse. after you see that, yo, that, that shit should drop about three and a half million dollars easy off the top. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't good, yo. It wasn't good. That that brings me to the point of when is it okay to tell a chick she's whack? Like, can you really just come out and be like, "Yo, ma, you don't got it." I've never done that. <laughs> um, um, I've just, never just don't call. Yeah, That's it. I I think. Oh God, it's a horribly embarrassing story. And once again, I'm a changed man. I'm a changed man. I'm engaged. You know, shout shout out to wifey. Nothing but love. She's gonna kill me if she listens to this. But once in my life, I've had to tell a chick back 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 in the day, college days. I had to tell a chick she was whack. But that's only because she offered the talking point first. She was, um, let's just say stuff was going on. We we're in the middle of things happening. And she started to apologize profusely for her horrible performance. And for it being lackluster. Which did not make it any better. And then the next day, she was like, and I had to see her at this point in time. We both worked at the college radio station. And she was like, what's wrong? Why aren't you talking to me? And I had to tell her, yo, you don't got it. I, I can't do this no more. Like, we're cool peoples, but hooking up? Nah. Like, she got the zero rating. If she was a creative player in Madden, she's like a 40. <laughs> <laughs> like it, yeah, it, it, it was that bad and she knew it so it really hurt her i it was one of those like i'm not mad at you i'm just disappointed in your whole setup so uh yeah yeah i had to tell her that you had to break sometimes you gotta break their heart dre 
You, you call yeah, buddy, you don't call back. But sometimes you got to let them know the real. I'm hoping I blessed her life. I'm hoping now she went, she studied her craft. She got a few tricks. We're a little older. That was a problem, too. She was like 28. I was like 23. Oh, like, man. Wow, you 28 and you don't got moves? Like, oh, that might be it for you. You're, you're on the downside of your career. So yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was that was rough for her. Hopefully though, she has uh gotten better throughout life, and you know maybe maybe she came up in the world. Maybe Black China, you know, this puts a battery in her back, and she says, you know what, that was just an off day for me. Y'all y'all judging me on my B game. Let me show you what's good, and maybe she steps up her game. Cause I I I refuse to believe that's how she gets busy all the time. <laughs> I just I can't I can't do it. And then the the fake body parts and it was a bad combination all around. Yeah, it just yeah, yeah. It wasn't good, and it mm. comes back to how does that get on film? Like if you know you're being filmed, you got to show out. Like cause, I mean, one would think, right? Like <laughs> that's that should be what. You, I mean, yo, how <laughs> how does right? your worst performance come out? Like how does this happen? That's ridiculous. Like it's got to be your best performance. Uh, yo, I, I, I'll never understand this. Yo, I'll never ever, understand this guy up there. You ever play a sport and someone's just going crazy in practice? Like the dude got the best jump shot ever in practice. He's like AI. He goes nut in practice. He just he takes every shot, gets into the game and freezes. That's Black China. Because this was showtime. You in the club every night. You strip in. Her and Amber Rose got at least 10 ass shaking videos i wrote for bso i had to post every one of them damn things they she's been shaking her ass for a legit four years shout out to hashtag for the bros kept me employed for quite some time this is what this was the super bowl for her this was her carson Wentz getting injured she can nick folds it up gets in the game and chokes she couldn't perform yep. Dre. it hurts and when the spotlights were on, she dropped the ball. And and, and that, that hurts to the core. Um, last thing before we move, you touched on Rob Kardashian. Rob, you know, spilled his heart out for this chick. He was everywhere, crying. Begs me to wonder, if a sex tape came out of one of your exes, you, you, you know, you've been with your wife for a long time, beautiful marriage, you know, beautiful family. But Dre, you got someone out there, an ex or a crush before that, if right now today a a tape dropped of them, what would be your response? Would you watch uh, it or would you just be tight? Like, no, I can't watch that. Like, no, no, I dated her, blah, blah, blah. Would you watch it? Would you badmouth it? How do you react to an ex dropping a sex tape? Because I feel like Rob is hurt mm. today. I don't know, man. I, you know, that's that's a I mean, I'm a I'm a kind of a bitter guy in real life. <laughs> uh, I'm very petty. So I probably laugh, I probably watch it and make jokes about it. I mean, depending on, you know, what it was and now if it was like amazing, I probably be like wouldn't say anything about it, but <laughs> I, yo, I don't know. That's that's I never really thought about that before. You got me there. I have no idea. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the weird moment like I couldn't picture. Once again, we're not famous, right? And when you're famous, you live a whole different life. But like Kanye when he saw like Amber Rose's nudes or you go through the bevy of them. Um, you know, Kanye has to live with Kim K having a sex tape. Um, 
Ray J's in the sex tape. You got to live with Kim K being naked all damn time. I couldn't imagine, like, my ex-wife just having her box out in the public. Yeah, I couldn't either. Like, <laughs> like yo, and, and people know my feeling towards her. Like, I, she, she can do whatever the hell she wants. Joe Budden said it perfectly. She can do whatever she wants as long as she don't do it near me. Like, that, that's my whole, my whole thought process towards her. Except put her box on the internet. Like, you, you just, I can't just be like, yo, she busting it open, booby swinging to and fro. No, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I think I would be upset. And not because I care about her at all. Just be like, yo, are you, what? like, how are your whole shit everywhere? Like, what are you doing? I, I, and I couldn't watch it, which sounds weird. Because we watch a lot of dumb shit. I watch any other port. I will not, I'm not proud to admit this, but we're all grown men on this podcast and our listeners and grown women. I had to watch the China sex tape when it came out. Not black China, <laughs> China, China. And, that, yeah, and that's like, that's the epitome of curiosity. She was like bench pressing a dude. That shit was like not good at all. Like it was weird, but I had to watch the China sex tape. I would not watch my ex sex tape. That'd be hmm. a hard pass for me. Like, nope, I don't, mm, can't do it. That, and I don't want to, I don't even want to think of someone I've been with in the capacity of being with someone else. Yeah, it's a little, that's a little bit much. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think I can do it. I couldn't do it. Like, I'm not just, and I couldn't imagine my phone. I'd be like, yo, and my boys hit me up. Yo, you see on the sex? Nope. No, sir. At, not, not at all. I couldn't do it. Um, I had a friend, by the way, who found out their family member was doing porn. The whole family, like, in their age bracket, gathered around and watched. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like a... I, I don't know how you quantify this. So, they've known the person for, like, ten years. And so, they're a close-knit group of cousins. That was their cousin's wife. Still ill. So, it's not like... <laughs> yeah, so it, it'd be like, you know, you you have a close cousin. Their wife did porn. They've been together for 10 years, and then you find the porno and share it with the whole crew. So, like, the whole family got together and watched her, I guess, hook up with two black men at the same time. Neither here nor there. So, that it's crazy to me. Like, yo, I can't look you in the eye after that. Yeah. It's, it's a whole I'm different good. world, yo. whole different world. So, that's our talk on positive black stuff for the week and horrible sex tapes. Uh, if you guys have an opinion, let us know on Twitter. You know, we got to talk about all the wild shit. Let us know how you would feel if your ex was just busting it open all over the internet. I want to know how the men of this podcast actually feel. Like, could you watch it? Would you wild out on her? Would you enjoy it? We need to know the, the whole dynamics of this. Man to man or man to woman, whoever's listening. We're open to the conversation. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, now let's get into combat sports because that's what the hell people come for. But... Even with the combat sports, we got to start with the buffoonery. Conor McGregor. He's back, Dre. He's back on social media. We damn near could have saw him next week. Uh, that wasn't happening. Oh, you're doubting. You're doubting. Doubting Conor. How many, don't doubt Mystic Mac. I think he would have really took the fight on two weeks, three weeks notice. Uh, yo. All right. So for those who haven't been paying attention, Conor McGregor came out uh, after 
Dana White went to TMZ and said that uh, Khabib versus Tony will be for the real title. And they're basically saying that Conor McGregor will be stripped without still. He hasn't really said that Conor is going to be stripped. But he's, I mean, he's gone through, I guess, all the steps. Because it feels like they've exhausted everything to get Conor back in the octagon. It's not happening. Um, with that announcement, Conor went on Instagram and said he's determined to get back in the cage again. He offered to fight Frankie Edgar uh, in Vegas at UFC 222, which is next week. Um and that he would have fought the last featherweight. Now, I, I get it where you say that Connor do anything, but featherweight Connor on short notice, I don't see that happening. See, I think Unless, it would have had to been at one fifty five. Yeah. See, I just I don't see because he and then he said that you know the UFC couldn't get the bag together. Basically, they couldn't get enough money, which is also bullshit because the UFC has enough money to pay him. Um, it's just the US, I'm sure the UFC didn't want to pay him what he wanted. He was asking for to step in for that fight. And more importantly, yeah, a Conor McGregor fight on short notice will, pr- will definitely do over a million buys, which will crush everything they've done so far this year and probably last year, most of last year as well. However, they still want to get that promo machine going. They still want to get that marketing machine going. They don't want to do it on short notice. And I just I'm trying to imagine, like, how short notice could Conor get down and wait? I, I just and then it's not a featherweight fight to say you're fighting the last real featherweight, but it's not a featherweight fight. That's kind of you know problematic. It's not. Yeah, but it's not like Frankie fight. hasn't fought at that weight before. It's just the Which last featherweight true. contender that he didn't beat. It's that it's that last knock. Like oh, Connor couldn't have beat Frankie. Like he ran through everyone else, including the current champion. Yeah, I mean, so I get it. I mean, I understand what Connor's trying to do here, but. Also, just say what it is. Like, yo, they're not giving me enough money to fight. That's really what it's all about. It's what I said from the day that they, like, even before the, the Floyd Mayweather fight. I said it on his show. I said, if you get Conor in there and he gets paid, like, almost $100 million, it's going to be real hard for him to go back and fight for $5 million yeah. or $10 million. And that, I think that's exactly where we're at right now. Like, Conor still. They have to you give know, him the Floyd deal, yo. You got to give him 25 Hard cash, homie. You know what you're getting. Floyd had 60. Now, now the big blockbuster fights, you negotiate outside of this. Cool. Floyd went, made his 300 against Pacquiao. Guess what? Berto fight took his ass right back to that 60. You know what yeah, you're going to get. Mean, Give him his 25 and say, cool. Now, you know what? You're going to fight your normal three times a year. And guess what? You're going to make damn near $100 million a year. Because that's all he made last year. But last year, you only had to fight once. You came away with that 80 to 100. Now you got to fight three times a year, but you're going to come away with the same 80 to 100. That's it. But it's not that's it. That's the problem because it's, you know, for one, Conor has to put himself back in the line of fire, right? And losing ruins everything. So the UFC... Uh, he's lost before. Yeah, but it's different, right? It's like if you lose now, like if, if he were to come back and lose, like look at Ronda Rousey. Look what losing did to her. She's in the WWE now. That's the so, worst case of losing we've ever seen in combat sports. I'm just saying. She is literally the worst loser in the history of MMA. But the point is, I mean, okay, fine. Fedor. Like, you you name a, a, a big. That's fair. Like, he never caught up. Like, so if Connor coming off of this huge payday, coming off, and we talked about this last week, where basically your legacy is more important than what you're currently doing. Connor takes an L now to Ferguson or Khabib because it's not Nate Diaz and there's no excuses for this loss. You just lose. It kills him. Now, but it's not more so much as Connor as it is about the UFC. If they pony up twenty million for a Connor per fight and this dude loses back to back fights, you just kind of SOL. 
You know that? You know what I'm saying? Like, so, but it's it's, it's a double-edged sword. Like, they've made their bed, and the, you allowed Connor to go get this big bag of money, and you want him to come back for something decent, but he can't, and he won't, because he's a smart businessman. But it's like, come on, man. Like, what are y'all going to do? Should I get off the pot? You're going to have to pay him something. Like, if you're not going to pay him $20, 20. Million a fight. Yeah, you just got to, but it got to be a solid number. Yeah, but it's just it's just a matter of in order to get him back, you're going to have to pay, right? Yeah. So it's like which is how, what begs the question: Why didn't they just pay now? Like, do exactly. they think they're going to wait it out and get a discount? No, you're going to end up paying him whatever the hell he wants to be paid anyway. So why not pay it now? I think this fight would have done great on short notice. Great. It would have done, done great. I mean, in the what, context 1. 3, of one point five. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of coming back, on, yeah. even on short notice. It, it would do well. I mean, it would <laughs> it suck. Been... We wouldn't get, it, it, we wouldn't get Conor on the press tour, which is still, it's still an important factor. Which, but, but they would have put him on ESPN every day for the next two weeks. It if Conor would have accepted that, that's the problem. Oh, I yeah. don't think Conor's, well, he's I, not that guy anymore. He, I don't yeah. think he's that guy that's going to go out to do every promo run that you want him to do. He'll no, I think you have to knows. like Skype him in, right? Like, it has to be video chat, Conor. But even then, you could video chat Connor and, and have him, you know, on the conference calls and not disturb him and fly him around the world. But you could have had him in his places. He would have said something crazy to Frankie. Frankie would have bid on it. It would have blown up. Would have been huge. And one point five million is about half of what they made in, like, I'd say from last January to June, July. I think total they had one point five million pay per view buys. Yeah, it, it was, yo, bottom line, it was bad. It was a rough so, time to be in the so UFC. So Connor would have done that in two weeks. Two weeks. You got to pay yeah. the man. It's just a problem because it's like you're, you're the money that you're, you're netting versus grossing is different because you're paying Connor $20 million. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot different than you're paying, like, Daniel Cormier, like, half a million, and your pay-per-views are, like, 500000 versus you're paying Connor $20 million, your pay-per-views are a million. You get what I'm saying? Like... Your, your your profit margin decreases exponentially with Connor coming back. Mm. You know, you, you would if think. you pay him, if you pay him that much money, it decreases. Like the UFC is still of the mindset that they could throw somebody in there and still do like a half a million buys or three hundred thousand buys and not pay him anything, which on some level is true. But the mainstream appeal of the UFC is dying fast, See, and that's why they need him. And we're under the impression that it hurts the bottom line, but they've been making money hand over fist. Well, no, they even, have. Even three hundred thousand is triple G level, um, triple G level pay per views, and Cyborg is doing three hundred, and right. she's doing triple G numbers, and she's getting paid lowest of the low in, in a boxing scale. So if they're paying her three hundred thousand, they're making hand over fist on this money. So well, their profit margin is blowing stuff so far out of the water that even the Connor thing would give them a normal profit margin. It wouldn't well, let them, you know, just crush the game like they've been doing for the past decade. But hold on, hold on, hold on. You have to forget they're in the hole a couple million. You know, like how how many how much are they in the hole right now from buying this lemon? I mean, it's been it's not yeah. great. You but once again, you build it for the long haul, right? Like you you didn't buy it for the first year. Like you bought it for the next thirty. Oh, um, they did. I don't think they bought it for the long haul because if they did, they would have realized that there were no other stars aside from Connor and 
Ronda, who had already lost. But I, I've said I, this before. They wait on stars. They don't build stars. That's not what the UFC has done. They sit and they wait, and they say the next one will come. And that's why, they, that's why they're losing now. Because yeah, and this is the it doesn't work like Cool, and they thought the same thing. GSP retired. Who's going to be next? Who's going to draw? And Ronda and Conor gets dropped in their lap. There will always be a next one, and they will wait. Oh. I, the I African don't know. kid who pissed on the cage, or not African, the New Zealand dude. Yeah, but it, I mean, again, he has when you star pay potential, when you pay what the what the WME IMG paid for the UFC, you need to return quick. Now you're running because you're also running into the issue where the television deal is up, and it's going to be kind of hard to renew or, or find another buyer when you have no stars. Connor's not even on the roster. Like you have to. That's yes, inopportune timing. <laughs> that's what that but is. but that's that's the problem is like you know what you bought when you bought it and you hope Ronda could come back and form you hoped Connor would need to stay busy but that's not what happened no, you I didn't know. get any of that John Jones can't stay off the, the the weed the drugs the coke whatever your biggest stars are not active so now it's like you're you're like the this is what year two of this deal yeah and, and now they and, wait for the next one how long can you wait they come. Right now, it seems like the next one comes along about every three years. See, the, like boxing, boxing's always had this issue. That they say, oh, okay, boxing, you know, what's next, what's next? But boxing's a different business. Boxing is in the business, not necessarily in the business of building stars, but you have promoters who are out here trying to push stars. Dana White's trying to push Dana White. This entire model is archaic because it's like selling DVDs in 2018 because you, you they think they can build stars the way they have but Connor was unconventional Connor built himself he's once in a lifetime you don't get anybody else like that like Floyd Mayweather's once in a lifetime Connor McGregor's once in a lifetime Ronda was the benefactor of being the only woman that pioneered women's MMA into the UFC There's, those are two lightning in a bottle opportunities aside from that because the UFC is still relatively new like MMA is still a relatively new sport you look at the other stars it was because they were new like Tito and Chuck Liddell and Randy Couture but now it's like, well, you, they, they can't do the same thing. Like, Dana White can't be the face of the UFC. Like, you have to do something other than uh, the UFC countdown shows. Like, you need these guys to be on the covers of magazines. Like, you, they, they need to be more active. Like, they're not doing the right things to build stars at all. At yeah, all. they're – and that's what WME was supposed to fix, right? They were, they were Hollywood. They were supposed to be the catalyst to build the stars that the UFC couldn't. They're supposed to have the formula. I'm not sure if they have that. They or don't. if they do, they they lost the other intricate part, which is the matchmaking. The you know, the actual intricacies of the sport. And they're yeah, trying they to turn it into an all-star game. They don't know what they're doing. Like they what happened, you, you let Connor run wild and and for Connor's own volition, like I said, he's always stepped up, but he knew what he was doing. But now you got a whole bunch of other guys that are looking at Connor and go, I need to be like that guy. I'm not going to take this fight. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to jump the rankings. I'm going to talk. Like, they're doing everything, that, and, and they don't know how to control it. The inmates are running the asylum. But the inmates aren't that good. That's the problem. They're not, <laughs> they don't talk as good as Connor. They, may, they, don't, they haven't backed it up like Connor. Once in a lifetime, man, it's hard to duplicate that. Like, even you look at the card, we'll talk about it next, next week, UFC 222. I mean, where's the star power? Yeah, Cy- Cyborg's like their biggest star, but they don't even push her properly. It's like, come on, man. Oh, yeah, they just keep blowing it. It's still, yo, 
for all intents and purposes. And all it takes is one more star, Dre. And it, and they're uh, right back out of the hole. No, they're not. Because Connor was unique. Very, very unique. Rhonda was a was a, a creature of circumstance. She came at the right time, but women's MMA it, it, women's MMA is here now. Connor has already been here to lay the blueprint. There is it's going to be very hard to find another fighter that's going to appeal to the masses like that. Like it's difficult, and UFC doesn't have time to waste. Again, their TV deal is up. Who wants to buy that product right now? Yo, again, for all intents and purposes, it still feels like a white boy sport. It still is. So let's shout like, out to Colby Covington. Like you look at MMA and you look at the, the makeup of the fans that are there, and the fact they still chant USA to Brazilians or black fighters or Africans, they still chant USA. You have Dana White, who's an avid Trump supporter, and is not shy about it. So. How do you appeal, like when Black Panther's just killing it at the movie theater, you can't run that model the way that you've been running it. You see what I'm saying? Like you can't, you have to change. Kobe Covington is not going to sell. Conor McGregor, is, 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 he's, he's a talker and he's Irish. Yeah. He's got a big following somewhere else. It's going to be hard, man. I, I, I don't see the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel for the UFC right now. There will be another star. It's inevitable. But will they market him right? And will that person be able to pull the WME IMG out of the hole that they're already in? I think that's what they're banking on. And we'll see. We'll see how they react. And the UFC before just kind of got out of their own way. They let Connor be Connor, right? And and that's what uh, got them in with the place that they're in now. That's very true. Um, but that's been with all their stars. They haven't done a great job keeping stars. Um, Chuck Liddell became a big thing and he was gone. Rampage became a big thing and stayed, but he really wasn't into it anymore. Um, they've all kind of gone to movies. They've gone to Hollywood. To... They've, they've left at the first opportunity. The last thing I want to say is so we can move on because we got a bunch of other stuff to cover. Um, the other problem with the UFC has always been that you don't have champions for a long time. In uh, boxing? The, sports, the, the sport doesn't lend itself to that, though. But, but that's, that's a problem. Because in boxing, yes, titles don't matter anymore. But Floyd Mayweather's undefeated record is all about his legacy. And you can push that man because he's undefeated. Or Oscar De La Hoya because he was a fighter and he was a gold boy, an Olympic gold medalist. MMA fighters, like if, you, if, the, championship, if the title turns over every fight, it's hard to, say, to get fans familiar with who that individual is. We're talking about casual fans. Because everybody knew who Mike Tyson was because he was beating the fuck out of everybody. Yeah. So every time you saw Tyson, he was knocking somebody the fuck out. In MMA, you become a champion, and then you lose. Who's like nobody's really holding on to the title for a long time, so they can be pushed into the mainstream uh, mentality. And you can see Max Holloway regularly, or you can see uh, Steve Miocic. I mean, it's um, it's almost unbelievable that he's the first fighter to defend the title that many times. Three. Three. It's only three. <laughs> Again, it, it doesn't lend itself to longevity. I mean, and also the, the, then you say, well, Steve is still a fireman. That's crazy. Yo, he's your heavyweight champion. He still has a job? That doesn't sound good. Nine to five. So all that to say is, like, it's hard to maintain when you don't have a face. Connor was your face. He made belts irrelevant. Ronda was your face because she stayed undefeated for so long. But once they lose and that turnover happened, nobody checking for Amanda New Year's unless she has, like, Five title defenses. Well, it doesn't even matter. Cyborg is the equivalent of that. 
Right. And the UFC damn near buries Cyborg. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like you look at Cyborg. They're working against themselves with Cyborg. Yeah. Like you have a woman who doesn't lose, and you can't even open up a goddamn division, but you have to keep feeding her smaller people. For the mainstream fans, I mean, for the hardcore fans, it hurts because they're like, this is bullshit. Mainstream fans are like, all right, cool. But the, like, the fact that they're putting her back in there against somebody that nobody's ever heard of says a lot about how big Cyborg Star Power is, but also says a lot about how they're not handling her properly. Like, there should be a 145-pound division, and there's not. Yeah. It's crazy. This, you know, one, Len Jer- Jermaine Duranime bounce on the division was stupid. First of all, you know, you go to 145, you challenge for a title, your ass stays at 145. And, it's, you know, her versus Megan Anderson would be a great fight on this card. Yeah, um, but they, it's just they don't push the right fighters to get injured. That's the other thing. Injuries? Yo, co-main events and main events, I think, like, every single one, except for, like, maybe three over the past six months, have stayed intact. It's not good. Not at all. Buyer's remorse. Like, I buy it. And I got to wait till the day of the fight. And even the day of, the motherfucker might fall out. <laughs> that weight cut's no joke. I'm saying, man. There's, it's there's not, no it's guarantees. Not it's not good. All right. Um, real quick, just because, yeah, man, took up a ton of the show, just waxing philosophical on stuff. Uh, we had UFC in Austin. Um, big takeaways from that. We had Derek Lewis, KO and Ty Burra, which that shit was crazy. The Black Beast yeah, seemed late. to be good. Um, you know, he's kind of getting his role back and yeah, like you said, he maintained that power throughout the fight. Yeah. This guy, I, I, for betters, I said it was going to go over two and a half rounds cause both of them got hard heads. I didn't necessarily see Derek Lewis finishing it that late, but good for him. But again, you know, where the hell does he go from here? He lost to Mark Hunt. Uh, so. yeah, yeah. That was, those cardio issues are crazy. He still has to work on his cardio a little bit, but you run that back. It could be a completely different fight. And we know that, um, Sage Northcutt won by decision. How did you have that fight? I'm not mad at Sage winning that. No, I mean, if I, I was kind of in and out of that fight. I think Sage narrowly won. It's not like he looked good. But the crazy thing is, that's when the viewers, viewership peaked. Yep. Was when Sage was fighting. Over a million. Crazy. The kid sells. Um, he, literally, though, Sage, if he could just win, he'd be the Tim Tebow of this shit. You can yeah. actually push him. People will start hating him because he's too good. It's true. Um, and then Cerrone KOing Yancey Medeiros after hugging several times and then Yancey going out to hug his grandma. It was a little weird fight to me. Yeah, I mean. Too, too buddy-buddy. I, I didn't. It was cool at first and then it really was off-putting after a while. I'll tell you what, I, I didn't mind it as much because, you know, other than other fighters when they hug each other and it feels like after they hug or dap each other up that the energy goes down, Cowboy and Maderos were there to fight. Like, they were like, oh, got me, bitch, let's do this. And they would just, like, right back <laughs> to it, which I didn't necessarily mind. Um, I felt like, you know, it was a fight for Cowboy to get a swagger back. He did. I don't know where he factors in the Wells weight division from here because he was still getting hit a lot. The head wasn't moving as much. There are still issues with... Cowboy Cerrone in this welterweight division is getting increasingly crowded. But good for him. He got back on the winning track. Now stop voting for Trump, dick. <laughs> uh, we have UFC on Fox. Orlando coming up this weekend. You don't sound that excited. We'll be at wrestling. But keep mm-hmm. our ear to the streets, seeing what's going on in this one. We have uh, Alan Juban versus Ben Saunders. Should be a don't decent care. fight. Uh, Angie, 
Angie Hill is coming back. She just did took over the Twitter for the UFC. Yeah. So um, that should be cool. Sarah McMahon is fighting. We'll see how that goes for her. Hennon Burrell. Washed. Why? There's a lot of talk. He's changed his training up. Uh, he said this you don't twice. <laughs> He's fighting who? He's fighting Brian Kelleher, I think? Yeah, Brian Kelleher. Yeah, Kelleher's probably going to beat that ass. Uh, moving on. It's a tough fight, but that's, you know, Hannah Burrell, if he can get back on his game, that's interesting. Mike Perry trying to bounce back. He will. The guy's Max Griffin. He'll, he should destroy that guy anyway. Yeah, but, you know, this is a quick turnaround for Mike, I believe. Didn't we just see him fight? It's not as quick as Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens just fought last month. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Ovin St. Prue back versus Alir Latifi. Oh, it's not a hard. He should beat the shit out of Latifi. Yeah, that's not a bad fight, though. We'll see if we can see another, uh, you know, another choke from OSP. The patented choke. Uh, Jessica Andrade versus Tisha Torres. I like this fight. I like this fight a lot. Andrade has been rolling. For the record. Andrade is like a three to one favorite, which I think is almost insane. Two what? to one, I understand. Three to one is a little insane. Tisha I, Torres has only lost one fight. I'm, I'm not. Okay, I don't want to give her no chance. I'm giving Tisha Torres very little chance of winning this fight. So three I, to look, one doesn't bother me. Three to one bothers me in MMA when. It's you have your fight. It's a wrestler versus a really great. Like I get it, and Draz is aggressive. But look, man, she's not unbeatable. Yes, she lost her on in JSEC, but she lost to Raquel Pennington. She's been choked out before. Tisha Torres has only lost to Rose Namajunas. To make her a three to one underdog is a little crazy. She should be the underdog size wise. I just don't think it matches up very well. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not saying Tisha's going to win. I'm just saying the odds are a little crazy for me to see. Uh, to see. Uh, Andrade is, I think she's like a minus like 320. So Tisha Torres being like a plus 290 or some so shit like that. So is your gambling pick of the week? Yes, this is my free pick of the week. Like throw some money at it. Tisha Torres is not bad. The tiny tornado's active. She's busy. She throws strikes. She doesn't finish fighters, yet she also doesn't get finished. She can wrestle. So there are things that she can do to steal two rounds in this fight. It's not a five-round fight. As long as she can find a way to keep Andrade off of her, she can she is very like she can win this fight. And I don't think she will, but there's ways she can win this fight. And that's why I'm comfortable with the spread for Andrade and the number where it is because it's not Dark. a five round fight. She's a, and she she's can't a, gas. I I don't think she no. gasses in three. She's a bit. She's the biggest favorite on the card. She's bigger than Mike Perry being a favorite over the guy he's going to knock out. <laughs> Max Griffin get no love from you. Andrade is almost as big as, uh, like, Andrade is about as big as a favorite as Floyd Mayweather was against Conor McGregor. That's ridiculous. That's kind of ridiculous. No, you put it in perspective in like that. In those terms, say, yes, yes. That's a little crazy. Yeah, but she should be the favorite. Like, she's, she's been rolling, but she's not indestructible. That's going to be a good fight. She should. Yeah. And then Josh Emmett versus Jeremy Stevens. Um, let's see if Emmett can make weight. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of things here. Can Jeremy Stevens stay on task? Like Jeremy Stevens is a guy when he puts it together, he looks unbeatable, which he's done twice in his back-to-back fights with Duhu Choi and, and uh, Gilbert Melendez. But then he always has like a fight where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like he doesn't seem as aggressive. I don't think maybe it all clicked for him. Maybe Stevens is that guy. Maybe he's figured it out. Um, but we'll see, man. Like, I mean, nobody saw Josh Emmett knocking Ricardo Lamas to the moon in that fight, but. 
You never know. Yeah, it, I, I mean, mean I'm, I'm gonna watch it. It's just, it's just not a car that's gonna like make people like, oh shit, got to tune in to watch Jeremy Stevens and Josh Emmett. Like, who the fuck is Josh Emmett? Exactly. Like, I, I mean, Emmett. First off, he's older. It's crazy. He was just a training partner for a long time, but they have, you know, they have a lot of faith in him. A lot of people have been talking him up. This is really kind to see. Uh, Jeremy Stevens is still a gatekeeper to me. He's lost to some of the best. Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, um, Cub Swanson, Cerrone, Pettis. Like, he just loses to those really high-level guys, but beats everyone else. Yeah. So it tells you where Emmett is. He's ranked higher. This is a fight he should win um, due to the rankings. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But uh, I think someone gets knocked out for a consolation. So if people want to watch a knockout, you want to see a dead body, tune into this. It's going to be good. So uh, it's going to be a great fight. Let's uh, keep it rolling real quick because we took up mad time in the show. Let's go to boxing. Canelo Triple G announced for, drum roll, Vegas. Cinco de Mayo. Who, the f- who did not see this coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this is the least surprising move in boxing. Um, I, I, once again, I think it's going to be rocking for Cinco de Mayo. Even better than you know the September fights. I feel like the it, it kicks off. The season here in Vegas. The pools are open. Everyone's ready. The weather's always warm in the 90s. The Mexican fans come out. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be even better in the first fight. Atmosphere-wise. Oh, I think I agree. I mean, I think this is going to be a big deal. Um, it is Cinco de Mayo. It is. I mean, it's not even Cinco de Mayo weekend. It's Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm ready. Uh, I'm still picking Triple G. I was talking to Royce Fadon the other day. And, uh... He was like, you ain't going to like what I got to say, but I don't think Triple G's got a chance. So me and Nichols are going to have a little side wager going on because he really thinks that Canelo should run through Triple G. I just don't fucking see it. But Royce has been wrong in boxing for a solid two years. Yo, listen, most people who argue with me, like celebrities who argue with me about boxing, are wrong. (laughs) Like, I mean, in glasses, like, yo, they're all all wrong. They're all wrong wrong they for whatever reason they think they're smarter than me when it comes to boxing they think they can know who could pick who like i've argued with people about the conor floyd thing i told people exactly how it was gonna end nobody wanted to hear me like listen man i know my shit like triple g should be canelo do i think canelo may have a better chance than he did in the first fight yeah he's still younger triple g got a year older there's always that possibility but triple g won that last fight i think it'll be closer i think i scored the last fight eight rounds to four yeah, like this fight could be closer. This should but be it's closer. Just a, it's a matter of how many chances Canelo takes, right? Because Triple G is just going to do what he does. But is Canelo going to stand in the pocket again? Like, let's be clear. Canelo never hurt Triple G in that first fight. No matter how hard, whatever Which is crazy because he hit him, him with some thunder. Exactly. So, but if you put yourself in harm's way against Triple G, you could get knocked out. So, if it gets good to Canelo and he decides to stay in the pocket, he could get hurt. I don't see Canelo hurting Triple G. I just don't see it happening. But we'll see. That's what boxing is all about. Like This is the biggest fight of the year, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, uh, Canelo showed one hell of a chin in the first fight, too. Uh, I think Triple G drops him this fight. Early wild yeah. prediction. I think he drops him. I think, I think Canelo's going to get cute yeah. and get himself fucked up. That's, yeah. that's how I feel. I don't think Triple G ends it. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, a KO by any means, but uh, I think he drops him. I think Canelo touches the canvas a little bit in this one. Um, fight we saw with a knockout this weekend. Danny Garcia. Oh, God. You, you were right there. You didn't like the fight? 
No, uh, no, no faith in Danny. No, man, no, <laughs> no. It was way too close for way too long. Yeah, like I've I've said this forever. I wrote about it. I've, I've been saying this for years. Like Danny fights the level of this competition. Like people are like, oh, he got a highlight reel knockout. It was Brandon Rios who was watched. Brandon Rios got tormented by Tim Bradley, who's not a knockout artist, and Tim Bradley knocked him the fuck out. So this, I mean, he caught him with a. I didn't see the right hand coming, but. He's but that's his move. Like if he has a move, that's the move. The counter. No, right. his move. His move is the counter left, counter not left. the right. So he caught him with the right hand, which was a little bit of a surprise. But again, it was like it's Brandon Rios, man. Brandon's watched. Like Brandon was a great fighter for that short amount of time, but he never really took care of himself, and it caught up with him. So yeah, he won. But the real story of the fight, like everybody saw what was happening with Sean Porter and Danny Garcia in the ring. Y'all should have saw Sean Porter in the media room. <laughs> that's where the that's where the magic happened real quick so they brought a bunch of fighters to the media room keith thurman uh jermel charlo joseph parker mikey garcia they're all down there to talk to the media this which is why none of us were out there until the the uh, showtime broadcast started so thurman was talking about he was talking like in his floyd mayweather ways like he was like ah i'll fight this guy if i feel like it arrow's not ready yet you know we'll make it happen when it's time to happen i need a tuna fight Sean Porter came in, and, and a few of us asked him, and I know I asked Sean straight up, I was like, yo, are you tired of people ducking you? And he got, you could see him get, like, angry, because he's like, because I'm like, Danny Garcia's fighting Brandon Rios, but you've been after Danny Garcia for three years. And Sean knows that I know this, because me and Sean have talked about this for three years. And you can see him get upset, because he's like, I don't know what I got to do. He's like, I don't have a belt, so that nobody's forced to fight me. So he proceeded to crash Keith Thurman's interview. <laughs> and then just was like, yo, when are we, we going to fight? Like, he just went off. And I'm like, yo, Mad Sean Porter is, is fun. Like, this is fun. He's calling everybody out. Except for Errol Spence. Nobody calls out Errol Spence. Nobody calls out Errol Spence. Nobody wants that noise right now. So before and Sean is whole... crazy enough to take it, but he's, it's not his first yeah. choice. So before the whole thing with Danny Garcia happened, Sean Porter and Keith Thurman were going at it. So much with the timeline. Video tape, I recorded the entire exchange. And they, they were just going at it. But... I say that to say this, and I'm writing about this for Boxing Scene for tomorrow. They need to have if they if the promoters could get the hell out of each other's way, they need to have a, a welterweight tournament. I was about to say you're bringing it back. I mean, like the the joint that uh, Andre Ward won. Yeah, you you do a tournament, and like like I said, there's a lot of hurdles that you have to jump over to make it happen. And I'll give you I'll give you you put two brackets together. Bracket A, you have Pacquiao versus Broner, Crawford versus Matisse. Mikey Garcia, who talked about moving up to 147 against Kell Brook. And Jeff Horn gets a pass. And the only reason why Horn gets a pass is because he's a title holder. So he'll get, a, he'll get a bye. Bracket B, you do Errol Spence versus Jesse Vargas. Sean Porter versus Danny Garcia. Omar Figueroa versus Lamont Peterson. And the winner of that fight gets Keith Thurman. Ultimately, you get these crazy matchups that could happen. That include Pacquiao and Crawford in the second round. Errol Spence and Sean Porter in the second round. Uh, you could have Terrence Crawford versus Mikey Garcia. You could have a, a bracket B final of Keith Thurman versus Errol Spence. Like, and then you could have the main event. The main after you after you get through all of this, you could either have Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence or Mikey Garcia versus Keith Thurman or some combination of this. Why would you not do this? It's better the than the Super team. Six tournament because every just about every fight could headline its own. Either pay per view or definitely a broadcast. Pacquiao and Broner, absolutely. 
it's Errol Spence, he's he's a Showtime guy for sure. Porter versus Garcia, everybody wants to see that fight. Um, like Crawford versus Matisse, this is the way that you get Crawford to fight the guys that he can't fight. If yeah. the promoters got the hell out of each other's way, this tournament would be the best thing to happen to boxing because <laughs> 147 is extraordinarily crowded with a ton of talent, but all of these talented guys are doing is circling the wagons. Keith Thurman has basically made it clear that you have to stand in line to face him, and he's fighting a tune-up fight. He's not guaranteeing anything. Danny Garcia is cherry-picking, fighting guys like Brandon Rios. Force these guys to fight each other. Nobody wants to fight Errol Spence, and the only reason why I didn't give Errol Spence a buy and I gave Jeff Warner a buy is because I want to see Errol Spence fight three times. That's the only reason why. <laughs> That's but, the, but the reality show. is... Put these guys in there. Like Omar Figueroa, who's fighting Adrian Broner, who's fighting Adrian Broner, but instead you put him against Lamont Peterson. The winner fights Keith Thurman. So now Keith Thurman kind of gets a, a, the easiest path, but not really because Figueroa is still pretty good. You you force these guys to fight. Ain't no Brandon Rios. Ain't Pacquiao versus Mike Alvarado. You're not getting that. We're getting quality matchups. The ESPN will get to host some of them. PBC Showtime will get to host some of them. Everybody gets paid, and we find out who the real champion is in two years. Not mad at that at all. Let's make it happen, Dre. Why do these people not listen to you? I don't know, man. But the article goes up on Boxing Scene tomorrow or Saturday morning. So we'll see if any promoter calls me. I get calls from time to time. So I'll see if any of these promoters call me like it's a good fucking idea. Do something about it. <laughs> Let's make it happen. It's time for boxing to bring a nice little tournament back. Listen, we watched the whack-ass Bellator tournament just because it's a tournament. That's what we love. It, it, fighting sports at its core should be turn, tournament-based. So that's that will be dope. Um, that's boxing pretty much. Everything's revolving around 147 for now till that heavyweights take showcase and we get the Canelo Triple G fight. Um, hopefully Charlo will be at that fight and egging on one of the, whoever wins. Yeah. That'll be great. Uh, now it's time to turn to the WWE and we're going to have a weekend full of wrestling. I know you're excited, even though you might not show it openly. You got to be excited. Elimination Chamber is here in Vegas at T-Mobile. Last time you had a pay-per-view in T-Mobile was Money in the Bank. That was dope. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. We saw some good stuff here. Uh, we saw Kevin Owens and Jericho here. The Vegas had a good run. They seem to put on for Vegas. I expect nothing different. Uh, let's run through just some recent stuff. Uh, SmackDown this week. They set up the five-way match. Everyone's fighting each other. Do you like that it's a fatal five-way now? No, absolutely not. I think it's stupid. I think they've booked themselves into a corner. Um, because why is Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin in this match? It doesn't make any sense. They need something and, to do. <laughs> but, but more importantly, because WrestleMania is the next pay-per-view after Fastlane, you know they have no chance of winning. Like You know it. So what is the point of even doing this? Like Smack, look, SmackDown has been has been really bad, really bad lately. It's just it's almost unwatchable. Yeah, Raw has been fun. Road Dog is running that into the ground. Yeah, like SmackDown, SmackDown has been booked poorly. Um, you know, I, I just I don't like it at all. I don't like anything on SmackDown. The Bludgeon Brothers still beating up jobbers. I get what you're trying to do, but WrestleMania season is right around the corner. Can we just get going with this shit? Like, come on, man. Like, the like the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens thing feels like it's running its course. Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan, what are I we on, pause for this? No, they kind of, like, went after each other a little bit with quippy uh, banter this week. I don't know where that ends, though. I don't see the end game for that. Uh, I don't get it. 
I don't uh, get, like, unless, SmackDown's not doing anything. You know, really. unless somehow it leads to Daniel Bryan being fired. And that's how you end his contract. But I, that's still a shitty ending. It's, it's not, dog. SmackDown's just, it's not good. The women's division, boring. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's and I like Ruby good. Riot, but too much. There, there's too many, like, six-man tags and five-man yeah. feuds. There's no one-on-one feuds. And we know we're getting AJ Styles versus Nakamura. Nakamura's not even in a feud. He's not on television. Yo, he ain't doing exactly. shit. Exactly. He, he, he won the Rumble, and he's going to show up at Mania. That's it. You gave then, him two have, months off. Then we get this creepy, strange feud with Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, and Jinder Mahal. Like, to me, I'm like, this doesn't even make sense because Bobby Roode's still a babyface. I don't get it. Why? Why is he still a babyface? Like you can't turn him heel now. What what the what are we doing? It Smack makes down. no damn sense. Smackdown <laughs> um, is whack. Now Raw. Ryan McKinnell, friend of the podcast, Big Mac said it's the best first hour of Raw in a decade. Yeah, he hasn't watched enough wrestling, and I know <laughs> I love Big Mac, but yo, when CM Punk was having his run, those were the first the best hours of Raw. Like they like when Braun Strowman was like destroying people and things. Those were better than this. Not to say that this gauntlet match was this bad. This was pretty it damn was, good though. It was it was just too long. And and like and, I, and the only reason why I say it was too long is because you got elimination chamber in a few days. It's not absolutely necessary to put together a two hour show now. Well, I like that bad. they tried something different. Well, they had let's, nothing else to do. Let's just try something with no talking. Like that shit's dope. And the the Reigns, not Reigns, the Rollins, Cena portion, those 25 minutes were great. If that was a standalone match, we're talking four, four and a half stars. I mean, Seth Rollins was excellent. Seth Rollins, as we know, is excellent. Seth Rollins should be in the title picture. Seth Rollins should go to SmackDown. I'm just going like, <laughs> to... But SmackDown's no, fucking everyone up now, too. So we can't exactly. even start sending good people over there because they don't know how to write. What have I what have I said for like the past several months now? Too much talent. Like Seth Rollins should have Seth Rollins should win the Elimination Chamber. Like I'd like to see him win. We all know that's not happening. Yeah, but it's not too much talent. It's mismanaged talent. No, it's yeah, if they said Dre, I'm cutting you to check today. Today, leave all your outlets. No more writing. You're coming and you're booking the talent for both shows. Come through. This is your roster. You're not going to waste this talent. You will find meaningful feuds and fill the five hours of television they give you every week. Well, uh, but you still got to answer to other powers, right? So the, to one again, power. They, well, there's still when I say there's too much talent because yeah, it is mismanaged, but somebody has to lose. So like the elimination chamber match, Seth Rollins can't win this match. He's not going to win this match. And as Braun good Strowman as he has is, to lose, which is the problem. We and we'll get to this. Finn Balor is he going to be the demon? If so, no. is he going to take his first L in no. a pay-per-view? No, he will if not he's be not the demon. demon, what the hell's the point? No, he's not going to be a demon because he can't lose. But he's a demon at the demon. pay-per-views. Yeah, not at, not at this pay-per-view. That, he wasn't that's the demon in the Rumble either, and that's why he lost. But that, that's ridiculous. Then what's the point of having the demon? You see what I'm getting at here? You have a lot of talent. Finn Balor can't lose as the demon because you still want to keep the allure of him being the demon. But he can't win either. So it's like he's just kind of there. So you have this Elimination Chamber match where we know Elias isn't winning. We know The Miz isn't winning. Uh, we're pretty sure Cena's not winning. We know one person is winning. You go down the whole so, you can go down the whole list. Roman got eliminated first in this gauntlet match. So people are like, oh, okay. And then he's going to win. We know he's going to win. So 
that it's it's a problem because you're still shoving Roman down people's throats. I don't. And again, at this point, I don't even care if you're in the main event. So what? But leave a little bit out there. Like I want to see Rollins show out. Um, but Rollins has been infinitely better than SmackDown lately. You know, aside from the Gauntlet match, it's just been a better show. Yeah, and we'll see. Um, maybe we get Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins at Mania season. Jesus Christ! I hope Samoa Joe comes back. I almost forgot about him. Yeah, no, he's scheduled to come back uh, in two weeks, I believe. So it's a yeah. short build, but I feel like Rollins is the odd man out of the feud. So maybe we get Rollins Samoa Joe. Possibly Rollins. No, Rollins has been screwed at every turn. Ambrose getting hurt. Jason Jordan is getting hurt. He's just kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, he can't like, catch a break. Every program gets every program he's in gets scrapped. Yeah, so now it's you know trying to reset him as a singles guy, and I think they did well with that gauntlet match. It's just, can you keep the fire now? Exactly. And he has to lose now, but damn, you got to at least make him look strong when he loses. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, we had the women's match, you know, Oscar Nia Jax, which should be a decent match, I guess. Uh, women's elimination chamber i don't expect much from just because it's the same damn chamber they can't break anything you got to use it again later in the night yeah after the royal rumble like i don't really have high hopes for this match this is it's another thing like you got more women which means more problems so there's more opportunities to fuck things up like when sasha and charlotte wrestle one-on-one you don't have that much opportunities to mess things up but now you got these other women mandy rose in there and sonya deville yeah that's not gonna be good Mm. it's not gonna be quality with those girls um as much as, once again, Ryan McKittle loves Sonya Deville. Don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to lead to quality. I kind of hope that Sasha pulls the upset, though. Because I think Sasha versus Asuka would be a better matchup. But then again, Asuka still challenge Charlotte. Because, what, you're going to have Ruby Riot versus Charlotte? <laughs> like, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. And I like Unless, Ruby Riot, but that's not a that's not a WrestleMania match. Like I yo, I don't know what they're doing cuz it feels like it should be Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte, but Ronda Rousey's signing her contract on Raw and Charlotte's on SmackDown. Yeah. And Oscar's on I, yo. I think that's more I, of a SummerSlam thing now. Like I have given up on that. I think they need Rousey to like dip her toe in first and have like a, you know, an ushering in match. You don't want to throw her against, you know, arguably the best woman in the company. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing. And Superstar Shakeup can clear that whole shit up because Ronda's going to be on Raw, but I, Charlotte could move back over and you never know. Um, yeah. Okay, that's Elimination Chamber because we only got four damn matches. But we got Woken, Brett, Matt Hardy, and Bray Wyatt. I'm not counting that shit. It's going to be a wash. Give it to Matt. <laughs> I mean, they're just setting up WrestleMania, which I just want to see the first hour of the pre-show be fully, like, just broken universe. I want to see dilapidated boats, Senor Benjamin. I, I need to see everyone. Well, good luck. The whole first hour. Just give them the first hour of the pre-show of wild, wild shit on the compound. I need to see it. Um, that's WWE pretty much in a nutshell, though. We'll recap our experience at Elimination Chamber. If you guys are coming into town for the pay-per-view, which I know a lot of you guys are, hit me up on Twitter. I'll be out there pre-gaming early because beers are $14 inside Thomas and Mac. Or not Thomas Mack, uh, T-Mobile Arena. I'm not paying $14 for a beer. So I will be outside getting drunk as a skunk before going in so I can start my head movement chant for Ronda Rousey. Hmm. I'm going to be, be that guy. Yep. Uh, and I'll be next to Dre, embarrassing him the whole time. Nah. <laughs> uh, and then we have 
Before we get out of here, though, I want to touch on ROH Anniversary. The card is coming out. They're piecing it together. Happens two weeks here in Vegas. Are they struggling? Or is it me? Yes. Like, the card no, seems lackluster. And there's no build to it anything. Is. I mean, there's never really a build in ROH. Like, there's never, like, a real build. But, like, trying to wrap your head around why Jay Lethal is wrestling Dalton Castle for the ROH title is kind of puzzling. Because he's been um, losing for the past year straight. Right. And then you have, I mean, the Briscoes and Motor City Machine Guns. Okay, I get that one for the tag titles. Uh, Marty Skrull versus Punishment Martinez. It just it just doesn't even look like it should make sense. Um, yeah, so, I mean, overall, like, Cody versus Matt Taven. That does nothing for me. Cody's not good in ring. Yeah, the the 16th anniversary show, I mean, hopefully it'll surprise us. Um, But right now, it just feels like, meh. Last year, we got the Hardys. Yeah, that was like a surprise. Broken Matt as a surprise versus the Bucks. That was great, but we're not getting that this year. No, We don't even know what the Bucks are doing. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about the Bucks. I don't don't know. Maybe it'll be them and uh, Hangman. Yeah, I mean, the, the Hung Bucks. Yeah, so yeah, there'll be something like weird uh, three-way match or some shit. I don't know. It's an odd card. I, it's just making sure it wasn't me. ROH That's seems it. to be in limbo. And New Japan is soaring. Uh, WWE, once again, is doing their thing. NXT, in my opinion, is on the upward tick again. I got to catch up. I'm two weeks behind. I'm about to watch it as soon as I get off of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got to watch this week's. It was great. Um, So, yeah. That's that's pretty much, you know, ROH is kind of in a weird spot right now. So we got to keep an eye on that. But that's our show for today. Thank you guys for listening. As always, follow us on social media at the Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hill. We'll see you guys this weekend if you're in Vegas. If not, make sure you guys come out in May for the big boxing event, Single to My Weekend. Whenever you guys want, hit us up. You know we're here for the people. We love bringing you the show every week. But for now... We gotta go. We're out. Peace. At ADP, we understand the importance of building the right team and offer the data insights to help. Just as importantly, our AI technology helps you pay the team accurately. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll.